Welcome back to Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Colin Haas Hill here on the first week of April, getting closer to the spring football game and finally have some actual in person football practice observations to talk about because Ohio State allowed a select number of media uh, to uh, go to practice on both Friday and Monday for a portion of the practice. Colin was not there, but I was. So uh, I've tried to fill Colin in on what I saw, and he could ask me questions about what I saw, and I could talk about what I saw. But the good news is I do feel like I know a little bit more about this team now than I did the last time we talked. And thus, hopefully by the end of this, everybody will know a little bit more because, to be honest, uh, it'll it's a little bit weird because usually – I would like to go get this behind the scenes access to and know what's going on, but I am relying on solely on you, Dan. So no pressure a lot here, of pressure. But, but yeah, no pressure. But uh, if you get something wrong, then uh, we're all going down with the ship. Well, I mean, to be fair, Colin, you're trying to make me feel bad for you not being able to go, but you also would have had to get up at like five in the morning to drive down to Cleveland to go to a practice. So I don't, I don't think you feel that bad. No, no, I, I, you know, the Cleveland to Columbus drive, not terrible generally, arguably terrible when you're leaving at 5 a.m. So, of course, you go to a spring practice in the year 2021, the first thing your eyes are going to go to are the quarterbacks. And you guys have been asking about the quarterback battle, so I figure, you know, that's where we should start. And, you know, obviously I want to preface all this by saying it's two practices, probably saw each of them throw about – 10 to 15 passes. So it's not as if uh, I've got some grand conclusions to draw about the quarterback battle at this point, but I'll say this. I mean, for one, the two practices that I've been there, CJ Stroud has been the first guy in the rotation every time. So we went into this spring thinking CJ Stroud was probably the front runner in this race. From what I have seen, there has been nothing to change my mind on that. It uh, doesn't mean the race is over. I think it's far from over. But from what, you know, it looks like at practice, it does look like he's the guy who's getting the first opportunity to win this job. And watching him throw the ball, you know, and watching the other guys throw the ball, I mean, they, they all have talent. You can see that. But CJ does look to be a little bit ahead here of where the other guys are, uh, just in terms of, you know, how he's throwing the ball and and, and how – uh, you know, he, he's making plays when, when he's in there. It, it does feel like he's the man to beat in this competition. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, Kyle McCord watching him, I, I think he's uh, impressive as well, especially when you consider that, you know, the guy has been in nine spring practices at this point. I mean, watching him, you can definitely see uh, the arm talent, the ability uh, to, to zip the ball that, that he's got. And so, I'm very intrigued to see how things play out, especially as we go into next week and uh, we get to watch these guys in the shoe at the uh, spring game. But, you know, I, I nothing has changed. I would say this, watching those two practices, I, I came out of it not feeling differently about how I thought I might feel about it watching those practices where uh, the idea of it's see, the job might be C.J. Stroud's to lose, not not in the sense that, I think they've given him the job just in the fact that I do think he's the guy who's, who's established himself a little bit ahead of the others. And I think that if he has the rest of a spring and the kind of preseason camp that 
they think he can have, that there's a very good chance he will be the starter come September 2 at Minnesota. And that probably shouldn't come as a surprise. I mean, it, it feels like it's just something that has been building for a while. I mean, if you think back to, to last year, last fall, like if we're going to talk about like who's who's taking second team reps first, it was it was typically C.J. Stroud, or you know who's going to enter a game when it went when Justin Fields is dinged up. It was C.J. Stroud, so I think it does make sense coming to into the spring that that it stayed that way, and I do think it would have been telling if it wasn't. And it's so dumb when we're looking at <laughs> you know the 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 way that that people take turns in practice, but there are only fifteen spring practices. Like there's only so much that, that, that you can learn from them. And like that, these actually, you know, they might seem minimal, but, I, but it does matter. And I think a lot of times, if you were to look back over the years at who's, who's repping first at positions, I just think over the years you would see, all, I don't want to say always, but like a vast majority of the time, the guys who are taking those first reps end up as the starters. That's not to say that CJ Stroud is going to definitely be the starter, but we probably shouldn't be surprised by anything we've seen because it's sort of a continuation of what we saw last fall. Well, I laughed and I, I don't mean this to, to call out. I'm not sure who it was, but I did see one of the comments on one of my posts uh, theorizing that, oh, maybe the, the order was just set by the alphabetical order of their first names. Uh, I, I can promise you that's not how the order is being set. I promise you uh, there's a It's all intentional. It's yeah, all intentional. It's all intentional. And because here's the thing, like Colin said, there's only 15 spring practices. And I think especially when you factor in what happened last year with them only being free spring practices with not having a full offseason, Ryan Day talks all the time about how they lost time and how he thinks that's having a real effect on where this team is at right now. They don't have time to mess around. Like they, they, they don't have, you know, like I think that's the thing that's like there's a fine line there where like, we talk about experimentation and we talk about all that, but the truth is they don't have that much time to experiment. They don't have that much time to just try stuff. I mean, they, they, it is important to, to make sure that all of these practices are building up toward September. And so if guys are repping, you know, with the first team consistently, that means something. And at the same time, if guys aren't repping with the fifth first team consistently, that also means something. So, you know, I, I, I did get the sense watching practice that they are trying to keep the reps between these guys as equally as possible. It was very like, for example, they did a red zone passing drill on Monday and, you know, CJ went for free throws, then Jack went for free throws, then, then Kyle went for free. When they were out doing, you know, team drills outside, it was, you know, one guy would throw, then another guy would throw, then another guy would throw. And it, and it, it does seem like they're trying to keep the amount of throws between those three as equally as possible. And, you know, unfortunately, if you're one of the uh, other quarterbacks on the team, one of the, the walk-on quarterbacks, those, those guys aren't even getting any reps right now because, because they're just, they're just all focused on, you know, those free scholarship guys who are competing for the job, trying to get those, each of those guys as many reps as possible to develop and evaluate them. So if we want to just look in real quick to, to what you've seen of CJ Stroud, like, what impressed you most? Was it the way he carried himself? Was it a couple of his passes that, that stood out the most just on the field, seeing firsthand CJ Stroud reps for the first time in what feels like forever. What, what sort of stood out to you? Yeah. I mean, he throws a nice ball. I mean, he really, he really does. I mean, there was one, that I, I tweeted out on Monday that, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's on the website as well. 
you know, him throwing a pass to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. in the back of the end zone. And, you know, you just see, you know, a, a real nice release. You know, he's got he's got real good mechanics for a young quarterback. Uh, you know, he's got really good velocity on his throws and he's accurate, you know, and those are the things that are really important that he, obviously as a quarterback, you have to be able to do it again. I, I think all three of these guys have the ability to do that. I mean, you, you know, I think they're all gifted passers. So it's not necessarily a matter of one guy having more arm talent than the other, but watching CJ, you can see the tools are there uh, for him to be a great Ohio state quarterback. Now, whether he actually will be, you know, again, you, you cannot evaluate that off of, 10 throws in a practice. I mean, we haven't even seen a full practice yet. Uh, so, you know, the spring game will be the next opportunity for us to see how he looks. And again, even that, you don't want to read too much into that, but at least that will be okay inside the stadium and an even more competitive environment, you know, see how he does there. I and mean, then we can kind of evaluate how he does there, but, you know, I, I think the tools are there. You can see why he was a guy who was a highly touted recruit. Now it's just a matter of continuing to develop that, can he get to a point by September where they really feel confident handing him the keys to the car? What do you think that Kyle McCord has to do to win the job? I mean, it's, it's one of those conversations that we've had for, for literal years at this point, but at the same time, we're, we're in the midst of spring camp. Um, you finally got to actually see him in an Ohio state uniform, throw passes. And like you said, you know, there are m- many months until the season, at the same time, the clock's ticking when you can, when you consider the fact that there are 15 spring practices right now, then they roll right into preseason camp. I mean, I know it's a really basic answer, but I think he's got to be better than CJ Stroud. I mean, I think that's the truth because I think if you're going to start a true freshman at the start of a season, then you've got to be really confident that he's your best guy because, you know, I, I think, he, you know, none of them have thrown a pass in an Ohio State game but at least CJ and Jack have been around for a full year at this point. And you've had the opportunity uh, to spend more time with them. They've at least, you know, been at games. They've checked into games briefly. You know, Kyle is a true freshman. So I think if you're going to start Kyle, it's going to be because you really, you really believe he's the best guy. He's really shown uh, that he's the best guy. And so I think he's, you know, he's got to get to a point where he's, clearly outperforming CJ Stroud and Jack Miller if he's going to win the job. And that could happen. He's he's talented enough, but I don't I don't rule out that that could happen. My read right now would be he's not there yet. I mean I don't know that I don't know that Stroud is leaps and bounds better than him. Again, I mean I haven't seen uh, much, you know, but I think, you know, right now you know, he's probably got a ways to go before he's going to get to a point of where he's clearly the best guy in the room. And you'd expect that nine practices in. All right. Outside of quarterbacks, because everybody wants quarterback intel, but it's a little bit hard when you only get minimal time to actually watch them. Um, What was the most interesting thing to come out of those two practices that you saw? Well, especially Monday, because, you know, I'll be honest, there really wasn't much interesting that came out of Friday's practice because we only got to watch uh, two periods. On Monday, we got to watch six periods, which meant we actually got to see some real football. And to me, by far the most interesting thing that came out of it was just seeing how they were aligning the defense. Because for basically the whole time we were there on Monday, they did not have 
three traditional linebackers on the field. They were lining up in what was basically a four, two, five, where they had, you know, two traditional linebackers, but two, you know, the Will and the Mike, but two inside linebackers. And then instead of a Sam, they kind of had a second safety out there. You could call it a bullet. You could call it a hybrid. You know, we use the bullet. The coaches never really seem to use the word bullet. So I don't know if that's even what they call it, but it, it seems like they are moving toward a defensive plan here of using more of a four, two, five. And in, instead of having that, you know, Sam linebacker, who's always in the box, having a guy who's, you know, more versatile, who, you know, is maybe lined up deep as a safety more often, but could also, you know, come into the box at times and, you know, I think it's particularly interesting, you know, seeing that, you know, Craig Young is practicing with the safeties now instead of the linebackers, because I think he's the guy that, you know, we talked about, we thought he might be a front runner to start at that Sam linebacker spot. And, you know, or we thought if he was the bullet, you know, maybe that would be a situational role. Now, again, again, we're going off one practice. Maybe I'm jumping to conclusions too soon, but I get the feeling that that bullet hybrid, whatever role it is, is going to be more of a full-time role than a situational thing. And and I think you might be looking at only two true starting linebackers because, you know, we, we talked about four. I mean, the, the big question I had was I didn't really know who could fit that Sam role. And I think maybe they're kind of looking at it the same way because, you know, at that same spot Craig Young's playing, they also had Ronnie Hickman playing there. That's the same spot Court Williams is going to play whenever he's healthy and he's able to practice again. So those are all guys who could kind of fit that hybrid safety linebacker mold. Uh, and then if you add them to, you know, continuing to have, you know, a slot corner on the field at all times, you know, as well as your two outside corners, it, you know, it gives you another DB there. But hopefully when you're playing an offense like Alabama, you did at the end of last year, you know, having an extra defensive back out there, might put you in some better matchup situations than you had last year when the Crimson Tide passed all over you. I think this is also a little bit of confirmation bias for us too, because this is what has seemed to make sense from the outside for a long time. It just really has. When you think about the fact that Ohio State lost its top four linebackers off of last year's roster, you're bringing back Taraja Mitchell, Dallas Gant, you know, Craig Young, Tavon Pope at linebacker, but none of those guys are proven commodities. Then you look at a defensive backfield that, like you've said, we've said it over and over and over, but it, but it, to me, it, to me, it's really important is that there are a lot of options in the back end. And if you're only going to go with what you had last year and you're not going to be creative, you're not going to add more to it. I just felt like that would have been wrong. And I do think that, that I do think with that, what you saw, um, in the latest practice about Craig Young playing that position, what we've heard about Cameron Martinez standing out, what we've heard about Lathan Ransom, you know, being somebody who I think is probably going to be hard to be kept off the field. It feels like that they know that that has to be a strength of their defense and they're going to try to take advantage of it, which to me, like I view that as a pretty major positive. And, and, and that's one of the major questions that I had coming into the spring is how exactly they were going to address that and, and how exactly they were going to look. And to me, this just sort of makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of intriguing guys, particularly at those inside defensive back kind of spots right now, between the guys you mentioned, you know, Leif and Ransom, Ronnie Hickman, Cameron Martinez. Like those are those are guys who seem to have a buzz about them right now. Like I know I know one of the questions we were asked this week was about who is impressing among the young DBs. And like those 
those are the three guys right now that, that seem to have some momentum. Like those, those are guys that they want to get on the field uh, in, in bigger roles this year. And so I, I, I think, you know, this idea of adding another, you know, versatile DB on the field, you know, in addition to that slot corner, you know, whether it's Lathan Ransom, Marcus Williamson, Cameron Martinez, uh, you know, who can also be kind of a versatile guy who's he's playing different roles. I think having two guys like that, you know, on both sides of the, the field, I, I think that can be, you know, really valuable, you know, and, and, and I also think it helps, you know, if, if that pans out the way you want it to, it can help us sewage some of the questions about linebacker, because I, you know, I think, you know, those two inside linebacker spots, you know, I think you've got some solid candidates there, you know, Dallas Gans hurt, but I think, you know, Taraja Mitchell is a guy who's probably ready to play a bigger role. You know, I think Cody Simon's a guy, he, he was already taking first team reps on Monday. So I, I think he's a guy who's making a real push uh, for some playing time. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg, there's been, you know, good, good things coming out about him as well. You know, Kayvon Pope's another veteran guy. So I think they've got some options there, you know, at those two spots. My big question always with those spots has been, I don't know if they have that Pete Warner kind of guy. I don't know if they have that kind of guy with that kind of versatility that Pete Warner had. And I think Craig Young might be that guy, but I think he's a different kind of player. And from what it sounds like from, from talking to Ryan day on Monday, they feel good about this role that he's working in now where he is playing more as a safety than as a linebacker. So do you remember in 2019 preseason um, that was when Greg Madison had come in and, you know, they were talking about the bullet being a thing and Brendan White was playing there. I think Kayvon Pope had got some reps there. You know, Pete Warner, you know, essentially was the bullet that year. You know, that was one of those weird periods where we couldn't exactly tell if they were treating them as defensive backs or linebackers. Do you think that, you know, at least from what we've heard and, and seen recently, that they view that kind of position as more of a defensive back, or is it more of just – is it more of a hybrid role? And I ask that because like, I do think that the role that Craig Young will play is probably a little bit similar to the role that Pete Warner had in 2019 as the strong side linebacker who did a lot of safety stuff. But at the same time, as I say that like Pete Warner was in the linebacker room largely that year. And it does feel like at least based on what you've said about practice, that Craig Young's spending more time with the safeties. Yep. Yep. That's where I'm at. Or I think, I think they are viewing it as more of a defensive back. And I do think, I do think there, there are, there could be some definite similarities between whatever that role is and what Pete Warner did in, in 2019. Uh, because, you know, Pete did play a lot of safety. He did, he did, he was a defensive back at times. You know, and I think part of this too, it, it, part of it too, just might be the new structure of the staff because they, they don't have, you know, Greg Madison was coaching the Sams the last two years. Now Al Washington is is the only linebackers coach. So, you know, these guys, you know, they're working with Matt Barnes, and Matt Barnes seems to be heavily involved in, in that position. So some of it could just be kind of, you know, how the responsibilities are, are shifting on the staff in terms of, you know, not having a guy who, who's dedicated to just coaching that one position, but, you know, kind of having him, you know, flow into a, a different position group. But I, I do think they're viewing it more as a defensive back position. And, you know, the reason I say that is because, you know, yeah, yeah, Craig Young is one of those guys, but the other guys that they've named as guys at that spot 
are guys that they've talked about as safeties and have not talked about as linebackers. So I, I do think they're looking for it to be a primarily defensive back position. I think they've, you know, recruited that way too. I mean, Jalen Johnson's another guy coming in this year who I think probably projects to that spot. So, you know, I think they've recruited that way to, to, to be more defensive back heavy than linebacker heavy. And now granted, I mean, I, I, I think we've seen it the past two years and I think we see it again and where this is going to be kind of a year to year thing. And, and it could change every year just based on personnel, you know, when Deshaun McCullough and Gabe powers arrive next year, those are guys who might be more traditional Sam's and maybe they go back to that in a year or two. But I think for the personnel they have right now, the idea of playing more defensive backs than linebackers makes a lot of sense. I know, you know, Craig Young right now is listed at 6'3", 228. Does he look like a linebacker or look like a safety? It's a good question. I mean, he's tall for a safety. He's definitely tall for a safety. Um, I mean, I'd say this, like he's ripped. Like he, he's, he, he's wearing number 15 and he's got that same uh, crop top look going as Ezekiel Elliott in, in practice. And you can tell he's a guy who has taken advantage of three years in the weight room with, with Mickey Murata. You can just see it that uh, he's cut up a different way than he was when, when he arrived out of high school. So uh, he, he's a guy who looks like he's in really good shape to me. Um, you know, he, he's definitely tall for you, for you to think from a traditional safety, which is, I think that's why it's kind of striking to see him lined up there as a deep safety, because you just don't see a lot of safeties that are that size. But like you mentioned, they were doing that with Pete Warner and been Pete Warner's, but the same kind of size, even bigger. So, uh, you know, he, he does kind of have that, you know, line, line, more of a linebacker look to him, but you know, I think, you know, you've, you've even seen it some in the NFL where you have some of these kind of guys who kind of fit that mold of being a taller guy that are now playing uh, more like a strong safety role. And and I think, you know, that's always been a, a role that has been a possibility for Craig Young because I know I remember, I remember the famous story where, you know, Urban Meyer had him practicing at safety and linebacker and, and defensive end and, you know, his his camp in high school. And he, and he played safety. Uh, some in high school so he, he's a guy that's that's got a lot of versatility and, and I'm really intrigued to see what kind of player he can be this year I want to stick with the defensive back seven because I think that I honestly think this is one of the most interesting parts of spring ball because like yes quarterbacks are interesting yes there are other interesting parts but a lot of that like running back quarterback a lot of it's just going to come down to coaches eventually deciding who the best guy is. And I don't think that, I think that that's hard to figure out in just limited time watching practices as, as reporters. I think that looking at personnel and hearing about who's standing out in the defensive backfield has been probably, you know, one of the most useful parts of spring to look at the outside cornerback situation right now. It's a little interesting because it's hard to read because Cam Brown and seven banks are both out for the spring with injuries uh, right now, which means you just have other guys there who might play, might not play on the outside based on what you've heard, based on what you've seen. Is there anybody on the outside that you feel like could make a run at starting or like to me, the, the other option there is, you know, is there somebody who you feel like could rotate with them? Because we've obviously seen in the past, Kerry Combs has been open to that, um, that kind of rotation on the outside. And I don't know, from what I've heard, like, you know, we, we, we hear about competition being important for someone like Legend Cavazos or Ryan Watts. I don't know if we've heard that either of those guys or anybody else has made a push on the outside, but but what are you thinking there? 
Yeah, that's still a really big question mark to me is that outside cornerback spot. And I, and I do think it's, it's an unfortunate setback for Ohio State to not have seven banks going through a full spring because I think – we saw last year, Seven Banks had some good moments and he had some bad moments. So if, if he's a guy you're counting on to be your number one corner, which I think they are, uh, he's a guy you would have wanted to really get as much development time as possible this spring. So I think that's unfortunate that, that he's hurt right now. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that Cam Brown is still not a full participant too because I do still think those guys are the most likely starters, but I don't know. I don't know if they're – you know, I, I think both those guys need to get better if they're going to be, you know, if, if this secondary is going to be better in September, I think those guys got to be better than they were. I mean, Cam Brown, we didn't really get to see him play that much this year, so it's kind of hard to evaluate there. But a guy like Seven Banks, I think Seven Banks has a lot of potential, but I still think he's got to get better. So we're not going to know until they're not going to know until preseason camp, whether he actually has gotten better. So I think there's going to be a lot of uncertainty at that spot still going into August. You know, I mean, I, I will say from, you know, from what I've saw, you know, I, I haven't been overly bullish on Tyreek Johnson the last couple of years, but he did look pretty good out there from a very brief amount that I saw again, just going off a little bit of practice. You know, it does seem like they are at least somewhat encouraged with what they've seen uh, from Ryan Watts and, and legend Cavazos. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it still feels like, you know, whenever, you know, Ryan Day gets asked about them, but it's kind of like, it's kind of a challenge to them. Like it's your time now, guys like step up. So I still think there's more that they want to see from those guys. So, you know, my feeling there is we're really not going to have a great read un until August. Uh, you know, what things are going to be stacking up at, like at that outside cornerback spot. But I, I do still think that's a major position of concern on this team because I'm not overly confident in, in who the starters are going to be, who's going to play. And I think we obviously know that if they're going to be successful in the secondary this year, they need better play at that position. To me, that's a lot like inside linebacker, which is like they have guys there who we've heard about who have been highly touted in the past at linebackers, Roger Mitchell and Dallas Gantt. At cornerback, it's it's Seven Banks and Cam Brown, and, and the cornerbacks have played more than, than than those linebackers, but they haven't exactly been the standouts like like I think that some people projected. And it's probably not going to be until the week one that we actually get a great read on what to expect from those, which is that's a little uncomfortable when it comes to a team that was pretty 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 much atrocious uh, in defending the pass last year. And it's like we talked about it last week. I mean, I, you know, again, I don't think you want to overreact to injuries in the spring, but I do think it's a little bit of a problem here. How many guys Ohio state has out right now? I think, you know, having seven, especially in that secondary, having seven banks out, having Cam Brown out, having, you know, court Williams out. I mean, it's just a lot of guys who could potentially factor in. I mean, Marcus Williamson, he was limited the other day too. So it's a, it's a lot of guys who could potentially factor into this thing that are not, full participants in practice right now. And then, you know, and again, you mentioned, you know, Dallas Gannett linebacker and, you know, you've got Haskell Garrett and you've got Harry Miller and you, you've got a lot of guys right now who could be key players, but are not practicing. And so, you know, I think there's going to still be a lot of questions that need to be answered in, in preseason camp. And, and there's going to be a lot of things that need to happen in those 29 practices for Ohio state to really get to where it needs to be for what's a pretty challenging start to the season going on the road at Minnesota and then playing Oregon. The complete opposite 
of that problem to me is the the inside corner spot where, like you mentioned, Marcus Williamson wasn't practicing the other day, but but he he has been practicing this spring. You know, Lathan Ransom's a guy who's come up the entirety of the offseason about a guy who is is really impressed and, and has seemingly been on an upward trajectory. And then Cam Martinez, Matt Barnes said, is is one of the most improved players uh, on the team. Um, and to me, the question is, how in the world do you fit all those guys in? Because it does seem like when talking to them, like, and, and specifically their coaches, you know, those guys are inside guys. You know, we talk about the outside cornerbacks, but it doesn't seem like as of now, those guys are going to be answers on the outside. How, how are they going to work this, do you think? Yeah, I agree that that's very interesting because uh, like that's the position to me that I feel probably the most confident in right now in that secondary because it does feel like they've got multiple good options there. I, I, I increasingly get the feeling that Lathan Ransom is going to be a starter in this Ohio State secondary and one way or another that's going to happen because there just seems to be such a very real buzz about him. You know, he made a nice play when we were out there at practice on Monday. I mean, he just there just seems to be a very real buzz about him that that I think he's going to play a major role in that secondary this year. How that balances with Williamson is probably my big question because Williamson is one of your most experienced guys, and and Williamson said last week that he had really only been practicing in the slot. So, you know, is how do you get both of those guys in the field? You know, before Monday, I was wondering would it maybe be a scenario where one of those guys was starting and then when they went into nickel, the other guy would be to come on. So, you know, is there a dime package in this thing? You know, is there maybe a package where, you know, a dime package, you know, whoever's not starting between those two, that guy comes in as a slot corner. And then maybe that Craig young bullet player moves into a linebacker role. I'm sure there's something they're coming up with, but it does feel like if those guys, Leif and Ransom and Cameron Martinez, continue on the trajectory they're on, there's going to have to be a way to get multiple of those guys on the field somehow. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that one's a hard one to, to figure out right now. You know, one of the answers could be to, to configure the defense where you have Marcus Williamson more playing cornerback in the lot and Leif and Ransom essentially playing as a, as a second safety. Um, because I, I do think that that's possible because when you hear Marcus Williamson talk, like you heard him refer to the fact that last year, a lot of the time he sort of turned into a safety at times. And that isn't the case right now. He's basically just a cornerback and Lathan Ransom, you know, Kerry Combs straight up called him a cut. What is the, what is this cover safety? Call? Yeah. A cover safety. That's what Ohio state calls the position um, in this defense. And, and to me, like he came in as a safety and sure he has some cornerback attributes. Otherwise they wouldn't put him in this spot. But I do think that maybe he's somebody who, you know, you can get them on the field more because you can line Marcus Williamson up more so as a, just a slot cornerback and, and also have, have Lathan Ransom out there with the ability to play slot cornerback, but also maybe more so drop into coverage as a safety. Yeah, I think there's going to be something drawn up there, I would think, to make that work. I do, I do think Lathan's a versatile guy who can play a lot of different roles. You know, I, I don't think either of those guys are going to be outside cornerbacks in this defense, but I do think uh, there's different things that they can do, especially Lathan that can allow them to both get on the field. So do we think that DeMario McCall will be the Jim Thorpe award winner? No, I cannot believe we went this long in a defensive back conversation without talking about the fact that DeMario McCall played cornerback last week. 
I don't even know. I honestly don't even really know what to think about that. I mean, I know what to think about that. It's a good, it's a good, uh, it, it's a good change of pace after a half a decade on offense. But he's not exactly going to have a role there, regardless of the fact that Ryan Day says that he thinks Demario will factor in defensively. Which is, I cannot, I still cannot believe that six years into Demario McCall's career, Ryan Day said that about him. I, that's that's honestly shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't going to have a role on offense. I think we knew that. No. They have way too many guys at running back and receiver for him to have a role on offense. So we knew that. To me, I think if they're at the point where they need DeMario to play a significant role in the secondary, then they've probably got a problem. And again, you know, it, it sounded like he'd probably most likely factor in at that, you know, slot corner nickelback kind of spot. As we just talked about, they, they've got some guys there. So I, I, I'd be surprised if we saw him play any – uh, significant role in the defense. I guess you never know, but that would surprise me. Yeah, I don't know what I was more surprised about, the fact that he's still on the roster for his sixth year or the fact that he's a defensive back now. I honestly, those are just, uh, I, I couldn't believe either one of them, to be quite honest. The fact that he's a defensive back now is more surprising to me. <laughs> that one's most amazing probably because he literally spent a half decade on offense. Um, and You don't see a lot of six-year position switches in college football. No. See, that's pretty unlikely. And I and, and I still believe that if he went to a max school, he could get a thousand yards, a thousand all I agree. Yards, I agree. That's that's what is, I've been which makes his career so weird to weird to watch. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking he should do for years. The other guy who made a position change, we talk a lot about tight ends and how they don't get the ball thrown to them. You don't really see in an offense like this a wide receiver and going to a tight end, but, but that is what we saw. Yeah. G Scott jr. Uh, it looks like he's at least spending uh, some of his time at tight end. I didn't, I didn't really see him doing anything there on Monday, but uh, we know he's at least practicing some there at that uh, tight end spot. And I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting move for, for both sides of the equation here. Uh, cause I, cause I do think if you look at that receiver core, you know, I, I had been wondering, you know, how are they going to get G on the field? Because you've got Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming all back. And then you've got three really talented freshmen. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. already lost his black stripe, and he, he looks really good out there just, just watching him in limited action. And then Emeka Buka and Jaden Ballard were both really highly recruited guys too. So, you know, we, we knew there's a log jam at that receiver spot where just not everybody's going to get to play. And so there could be a clearer path to playing time over the next couple of years at tight end, you know, especially I think a year from now, you know, when Jeremy Ruckert's going to be playing in the NFL, you know, I, I'd be surprised if G Scott saw a lot of playing time at tight end this year. Cause I think, you know, he, he's got to learn how to block. He's got to learn how to, to, to really play that position. He's going to have to put on weight. So if that's the plan, I would think, you know, other than special teams, we're probably not going to see him play a lot this year, but I do think, you know, going forward to next year, you know, you think about losing a Jeremy Rucker, it's not exactly clear who the heir apparent might be at that spot. He's an intriguing option. You know, I, again, you know, he's going to have to develop into a guy who can be, you know, a, a, a real blocker at that spot, but you know, he wouldn't necessarily be a guy that would be a, if he moves to tight end, he wouldn't necessarily be a guy that's lining up in line a lot. He's a guy who could be used more as a H tight end, more of a, you know, kind of a big slot kind of guy. So I think it's interesting. I think, it, I think it's intriguing 
uh, you know, to see what he can he can become there. I mean, I, it's hard to forecast exactly what he could be, but you know, I think if you think in the modern uh, game of football, I mean, you've seen it especially in the NFL level more and more of these, uh, you know, kind of you know, big wide receivers who are playing that tight end position. And, you know, certainly I think G's got some potential there uh, in terms of what he can do if, if he can grow into that role. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it makes sense and it doesn't. I think on uh, the, the part that makes sense is if you look at him as a tight end, you know, 6'3 might be a little bit short as a tight end. Um, but if you look at the way he's built, like he's someone who I remember just seeing for the first time at practice being like, that guy looks like he's a senior in college right now. And turns out he's a, he's a college freshman. And that to me is sort of nuts because he was, he was incredibly well built right from the jump. So I do think like body wise, it makes sense. And, and if you're, if you look at what his role is this season, I don't think he has much of a role at tight end or wide receiver, to be honest. Um, that's just sort of the way the depth chart played out. And and I think that, you know, Chris Olave coming back is great for Ohio State. But I think for a lot of those guys in that wide receiver room, the fact that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are both back means that not a lot of guys outside of them and and obviously also Jeremy Ruckert and, uh, are, are going to touch the ball. Um, so I think if you're going to look at what his future is, if he wants to try out tight end, like now to me is the time. The other aspect of that is, it's hard to imagine dabbling in tight end and then coming back to wide receiver because what's he going to do? Like put on 30 pounds and then drop 30 pounds. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing. That's an interesting thing to imagine. I mean, I don't think that G Scott's suddenly going to change the, the, the way that Ohio state uses tight ends and they're going to throw to a tight end 50 times in like in 2023. Um, but I do think if he's looking at his long-term future, it's an interesting play. I, I, you know, it to me it's just fascinating all around, and and I think one of the most interesting parts is you know, he's not somebody who I've ever got the the vibe from that this is just going to be a willy nilly decision, that any career decision he makes when, when it comes to football will just be you know something that he just thought of out of out, you know out of thin air. Like he and his dad, I think, are really pragmatic about you know what they want from a place, and they came from Washington to Ohio State to to play uh to play for. To, to, to play for this program and you know they clearly have a plan I'm just interested to see how it plays out how long he stays there and if this is permanent because it clearly you know when Ryan Day was talking about it it wasn't permanent when they when they made the switch it just seemed like it was an option yeah and it does sound like some of this could be you know related to weight because you know Ryan Day said you know he, he said the quote you know from G Scott he said he says I'm fighting every day to be at 215 he says if I have just a few Big Macs I can get to 225 in a heartbeat. So, you know, I think that is part of the, you know, decision here is, you know, okay, here's a guy who, you know, keeps growing and growing. And, you know, he, you know, I don't know what his target weight was at wide receiver, but, you know, maybe he's struggling uh, to fit that target weight and they feel like, okay, he's got this, you know, ability, like he can get bigger. He might naturally get bigger. And if he does, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we're worried about, okay, if he puts on this weight, maybe we're worried a little bit about, okay, is he going to be, you know, as quick enough as he needs to be at receiver. But if you put him at tight end, all of a sudden, you know, that there could be some, you know, mismatch potential there down the line once he grows into that position. Yeah. That's an interesting position group too. When you consider it has Jeremy Ruckert at the forefront and then you have Cade Stover is in his second year after transitioning from defense uh, third year in the program, second year as a tight end. 
You have Joe Royer, who basically didn't play at all as a freshman. You have Sam Hart, who's going to come in as a you know a three-star tight end. You have a couple walk-ons and and Mitch Rossi and Corey Rao, and then maybe G Scott. So if you're looking at the depth chart, like compared to wide receiver, uh, much less competition there, and 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 also for Ohio State, like probably a greater need of him there. Um, so this is just one of those things where it's I, I think it's a little bit hard to predict how this one will play out. Uh, but you can't look at that and say it's not intriguing because, you know, with an athlete like that going to going to tight end, you know, it gets the imagination running even at a place where we've seen for how many decades now uh, t- talk about throwing to a tight end and it not happening. Yeah, and like I said, I think if, if that's a move, if he's making that move to, to tight end, it's going to be more of a move toward the future. I mean, kind of like we saw of Cade Stover last year of him making that move to tight end. He wasn't going to play a lot last year because he had to learn that position. Now, maybe Kate Stover is the number two guy at that tight end spot. I think, gee, again, this is it's going to be similar. This would need to be a big developmental year for him to then potentially set him up to play a much bigger role next year when Jeremy Ruckert's going to be in the NFL. I want to ask this question because I actually haven't seen, you know, I don't I don't know how much you wrote about it. I don't think a lot of people have written about it. Who's who sort of stood out at running back to you in practice? Did you get a glimpse at that at all? Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell because like they like they weren't doing full tackle when when I was at practice. So I always kind of hard to evaluate running backs when they're not really doing you know full tackling, uh, just because you know you're not getting to see how guys break tackles. But you know I did notice like it, it didn't seem like Master Teague was taking a, a ton of like actual reps in practice. So I did notice that Mayan Williams was getting a lot of reps uh, with the first team. Marcus Crowley looks like a guy who's healthy right now, just like looking at him like he looks like he's quicker. He looks like he, he he's cutting better, as he had said a few weeks ago. And then you you, you just look at Travion Henderson, like you can definitely see uh, the potential there. Like you can see that agility, like that burst that he has. Like, like you can kind of see like, some of that, that J.K. Dobbins there in him, just just watching him, like you can see, like the, those traits are there. It's it's so early, we haven't really had a chance to see him play to to you know really know like where he's at in terms of his you know trajectory to play for September. Like I know he's one of the guys that everybody asks about. It's like you know what kind of reps is he getting? I mean, right now it looks like he's he's repping at the back, him and Evan Pryor, because they're they're freshmen, and that's probably just the way they're going to do it for this spring. But, uh, they're they're going to give the veterans more of a first team reps, but uh, you know, I don't again, I don't know if that really that really means a ton. Uh, they're running back, you know. I think you know there's going to be opportunities as we go into preseason camp for you know those guys to climb the depth chart, but you know, at, at least right now, I don't see it as like a, oh, like it's you know he's clearly the top guy right now. I, I think they're they're still kind of working their way through that process. That's not a surprise. I think that that's one of those positions that I think coming out of spring, you probably want to have an idea about who your quarterback is going to be coming out of spring with the amount of talent that's in the running back room. If you want to play it till preseason, if you want to wait to see how the the next few months progress, like to me, my perspective, that's totally fine. Yeah. I I don't think it's really necessary for them to know what exactly what fair pecking order is going to be at that position in April. Cause I think, you know, cause to me, I look at that position. I think, I think, they're going to have good options either way. Obviously, you want to get to a point in the season where you're playing your best options. But, you know, I I don't think – I don't look at that and go, well, you know, 
if you pick the wrong guy to be your number two running back against Minnesota, you're going to lose the game. You know, I, I look at it more in terms of your long-term potential over the course of a season, you know, and, and maybe a guy like a Travion Henderson, you know, he's a guy whose role could potentially grow over the course of a freshman season at, as he develops more time. I don't know that that rotation needs to be set in stone when the season begins. One other guy from interviews I'll bring up, Teron Vincent. You know, Ryan Day went out of his way on Monday to bring up the fact that Teron Vincent is at an awesome offseason that began with off, with winter workouts and Mick Marotti and continued into the fact that, you know, this spring he's really stood out and he thinks that that Teron could have a could have a breakout season. Um, what do you think that would mean to this defense to at three technique have Haskell Garrett, who's a returning All-American, and Teron Vincent essentially backing him up. And the way that Ryan Day is talking about him, like, makes you go back to, like, two years ago and think about the hype that Teron Vincent used to have and sort of wonder, you know, now healthy, is this the kind of guy who can also eventually be an All-American himself? Yeah, I, I always put more stock into it when a coach brings up a guy on their own when they get asked specifically about the guy. And so that's what struck me about that because the question was, how do you think you guys are going to be able to replace Tomi Togiai on the interior defensive line? And he starts by saying, well, the, I'm really like the interior defensive line. And then he you know, specifically mentioned to Ron Vincent as a guy who's you know, really impressing them. And he thinks that he's ready to, to, to break out and take that next step. So, you know, I, one thing I think is interesting there is I, I keep looking at it like, okay, free tech and knows different positions. Like is Tehran going to back up Haskell, but could Tehran start next to Haskell? Like, I think that could be a possibility. Like if he, if he asserts himself as one of the two best defensive tackles, I think, you know, that's a possibility because it's not as if, you know, the nose and a free tech in Ohio state's defensive line are drastically different positions. So you know, I think that's a possibility because I think one way or another, you know, to me, Haskell's going to play a lot. I mean, he's your, he's your most proven defender. And so if Tehran's a guy who proves that, you know, he, he's a guy who belongs on the field a good amount too, then you're going to have to find a way to probably get both those two on the field together. Yeah. I think the way to do that would probably be in passing downs. I just, until I, until we actually see it, it's just going to be hard for me to believe that, those two guys are going to be lining up beside each other because I feel like to, I, I, you know, Haskell's maybe a guy who I could see moving in to, to be a one technique, to be a nose tackle in the way that Ohio state has it. Um, but you know, the, with the way that he played last year at, at, at the three technique, I don't know that they would love to move him. And, and, you know, I think Antoine Jackson and Deron cage are going to be fine. I think they're going to be solid guys at one technique. So I, I, I still think that that would surprise me. I do think, if you're looking at passing downs, like there, to me, there's a lot of potential here. When you look at Haskell Garrett and, and Teron Vincent as potential interior pass rushers, along with Zach Harrison, what we've heard from him as, as also having a, having a standout off season, uh, Tyreek Smith as, as a senior. And then, you know, Tyler Friday, once he gets back from an injury and, and Javante Jean Baptiste as a, as a fourth year player as well. Like to me, if you're looking at pass rush potential, like there's a lot of potential here and obviously we've seen that before and, and we've, you know, for a lot of these guys um, and it hasn't materialized to production yet, but it does feel like some of these guys are on the precipice. And if, and if enough of it, 
you know, if Zach Harrison has the breakout year that some people are rejecting, if Teron Vincent takes the next step, if Haskell Garrett returns as, you know, as dominant as he was last year, like it does, it would make sense that this, this defensive line could be really, really good again. Well, I think we've got to mention too that Jack Sawyer lost his black stripe on Tuesday and was one of the first uh, two guys to lose his black stripe because, I mean, we've said it all along. I mean, I think he's a guy that certainly, uh, has to be considered for a role in this thing too. He's, he's too talented not to be. And, and I'm really intrigued to see, you know, what kind of role can they come up with him? Because they do, they have a lot of depth at defensive end. You know, Ryan Day mentioned the other day that uh, Noah Potter had been playing inside, which I think speaks to the depth uh, that they have at defensive end, that they're moving him inside. But, you know, you know, we expect Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Tyler Friday to probably lead the way. Javante Jean-Baptiste in that mix as well. But, if Jack Sawyer's coming along well this spring, you have to think there's going to be some role for him this fall. Anything else that, that has stood out to you in interviews or, or practice that you wanted to bring up or you want to get to questions? Uh, nothing major. Uh, I think I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, I think we only have a couple uh, questions here that we didn't actually talk about. Which one do you want to hit first? Well, we were asked if fans can come to the spring game, and the, the reality is I, I, I don't know yet. I mean – I know that I know that Ohio State is having weekly meetings with Columbus Public Health uh, to kind of figure these things out. So I would think they're going to finalize a plan at some point this week. I don't know that for sure, but I would think with the game being next week that probably by the end of this week they are going to finalize their plan for how many people they can have at the spring game. I mean, I do they know there's. To. I mean, it would yeah, be, it'd be nuts mean, for them not to. <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be some fans at the spring game because I do know uh, uh, Bill Landis reported last week that they had um, sent out a raffle uh, to people uh, to Wexner Medical Center faculty and staff and also College of Medicine students uh, to enter for free spring game tickets, and that uh, goes in line with what Gene Smith had said in February, I believe, about uh, wanting to find a way to uh, distribute tickets to people who had been on the front lines during the COVID-19 pandemic. So there's going to be at least some fans at this game. Um, I, I don't know in terms of if and what amount of tickets are going to be available to the general public. I, again, if, I would think if they were going to do that, I would have to think they're going to come out and say something about it this week. But as of this moment, Tuesday afternoon that we're recording, Ohio State has continued to say that spring game attendance is to be determined. Who do you think is going to be the spring game MVP this year? Oh, man. Spring game MVP. That's... I'm sure we'll talk about it next, next, next week. Yeah, I, I was thinking next week we would. I want, I want a random yeah. random guy who you think is just going to have a, uh, have a good spring game. I feel like you're on Marvin Harrison Jr. How did, I was about to say Marvin Harrison Jr. How did you know I was going to say Marvin Harrison Jr.? Because I feel like you're on his island right now. Yeah, I was legitimately about to say Marvin Harrison Jr. as you spoke. So you're, set, gonna, you're setting up some. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I I think I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is making a push. I mean, I I know that that receiver rotation is going to be tough to break into this year, but I I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is making a push. I I think I think he's he's making a case to get some playing time in that receiver position this year. I'll go Cam Martinez. I don't know why, but I've been on Cam Martinez Island for a while now. So if you're going to go for the random, you know, four-star guy who's in his second year, who's like third string on the depth chart, that's usually the guy who's going to be the spring game MVP. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is usually uh, somebody who's not an established starter because, 
you know, typically uh, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson is not going to play a ton of snaps of a spring game. They're going to try to get uh, those young guys more run. Any other questions? Uh, we were asked about, you know, the early enrollees who has stood out. I mean, as we just mentioned, Jack Sawyer and Marvin Harrison are the first two guys uh, to lose their black stripes. So, you know, those are probably the most obvious answers at this point. Uh, I don't know if there's really anyone else that really stood out to me, just, you know, watching the practice. Um, you know, I, I think it's still, you know, so early for those guys uh, that, you know, we're going to kind of have to see. Uh, but I know our eyes are going to be on a lot of them when we're watching the spring game next week too. I know that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jack Sawyer are, you know, they're, they're guys whose, whose names have come up. Like, it's not like they just got their black stripe removed and we hadn't heard a thing about them. Uh, you know, Marvin Harrison's the kind of guy, guy who, if I remember correctly, like Ryan Day brought him up unprompted as a guy who showed up on campus and was like, whoa, that yep. guy's, the guy's a little bit bigger than I realized he was. And Jack Sawyer's Jack Sawyer. Like, we've, we've, we've known this was coming for years now. So yeah. this, is, this is the least surprising thing in the world. You know, the other guy who I'm interested to see um, – and, and obviously, I think it's hard to, to really figure this out in the spring, but the way Trayvon Henderson talks, I just want to see if his game backs it up um, because he's somebody he's somebody who's coming in with, with more hype than just about anybody, including Jack Sawyer. I mean, I think people's eyes, when they look to the spring game, will be looking at the quarterbacks first and maybe Trayvon Henderson second. And that's a guy right there. All he needs to do is make one big play in the spring game, and that hype train is going to be rolling full speed into September. Yep, and it's already rolling. So that 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 that'll be quite a boost if it happens. Are there any other uh, parting thoughts? Things we think that you want to hit on on this episode, Colin? I think we hit on a lot of them. I think you know this has been an interesting spring. I'm glad that you know you actually got a chance to to go and and see what Ohio State's been up to in practice. Because without that, we would probably be lost in the wilderness right now. But it feels like things are heading in the right direction if we're talking about their their defensive backfield. The quarterback position is basically exactly where we thought. I think the injuries in spring are are not great, but we're also not seeing guys, you know, who are injured, who are key pieces who we expect out in the fall. So in terms of Ohio State football, nothing nothing too unexpected, nothing too concerning, which to be honest, if if if, if that's what you're coming out of spring with, like that's a positive in and of itself. Well, we're going to have plenty more to talk about here the next couple weeks because uh, Ohio State's spring football game uh, is next two Saturdays from now, April 17. We're going to also have uh, interviews, I know, with at least the uh, offensive linemen and defensive linemen coming up here uh, this week. So uh, I'm sure we'll uh, gather more intel from that, and we'll talk about all of that as well as look ahead uh, to that spring game in the shoe next week. So thanks again for listening in and we'll talk to you soon.